You are listening to episode 256 of the Game Deflators Podcast. My name is John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast. We like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we know who we got to call, and it's not who you think in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So this week we played a little bit of Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon on the 3DS. Well, I don't know what you played it on, but I played yeah, it on the 3- 3DS. That's all. Okay. That's all you can right now. Well, I, well, didn't I know guess if, you could have a 2DS. And I didn't know if you had a preservation device of some sort that would allow you to play it, which would be kind of weird. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you could probably run it on the Switch. I mean, there. Well, no, you couldn't because it needs two uh-huh. screens. Yeah, no. You might be able to run it on the Wii U. That'd be interesting. Right. I, I'm yeah. sure they've got uh, emulators for like uh, PC. And speaking of Wii U, you'll hear much more in a little bit. But oh, let's the go- phone. You can run 3DS stuff on a phone, I think. Oh, no, maybe just 2DS. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> that's for that's for other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, of course, you can find the Game Deflators podcast on thegamedeflators.com. You can also find us on social media at Game Deflators on X, at The Game Deflators on Instagram and Facebook. And you are listening to a podcast application right now. So go ahead and hit the like and subscribe button to whatever podcast app you've got. Leave us a five-star review. Listen to all of our older episodes. And also find us on YouTube at Game Deflators. Okay let's dive into our recent pickups and uh, of course i had no gaming pickups but i will have one in five days yeah i will mario? have mario in five days uh but i did pick up some D materials and of course magic hearts because that's what i pick up nowadays and uh for the D books i actually was on ebay just kind of scouting around for like cobalt press stuff because i was mm-hmm. kind of curious what i could find on there and they had like somebody was selling like an eight book bundle on bidding and i'm like okay i'll just bid 160 bucks and see what happens and i won said bid for 160 bucks so do you feel like that's like you paid too much or do you think that's what you would about expect to pay no i would actually expect to pay more than that uh so each of those books generally runs around like new in store would run about 45 to 50 bucks per book depending on the book okay so you got them for about 20 bucks each uh roughly yeah about 20 bucks each so about 50 percent off what i would expect to pay nice so not too bad i mean a used copy yeah could i get a used copy for that price sure um but these were all brand new the only difference is like as it was marked it said oh well these books have like a couple dings on the corner like yeah. because of shipping and all of that i'm like i don't care like it's it, it is what it is if you're so. gonna keep them and use them it doesn't really matter as much yeah and they're all really cool like um even some of them that are just like settings for like Cobalt Press specifically, it's like, oh, yeah, we've got like these new races unlocked. Um, there's 700 spells available to players that can come out of this. So like these are things that, you know, if, for you, example, as a sorcerer in my campaign, if you're like, hey, you know, I'm kind of curious, can I use whatever book? I can be like, here, Cobalt Press, there's 700 spells that are here to pick from and just John, find what I, aligns from you. Can I use that book? Sure. Because I get cleric and sorcerer spells. Yeah. I mean, by and all I'm means. like, I know all my options and I'm having a tough time deciding, like, I think I went with spiritual weapon last mm-hmm. level up just because I was like, I mean, I guess why not? Yeah, I mean, all this stuff is adapted for 5e. So, like, I'm I have no issue with it. Like, I would probably honestly I've got the book of 
the Tome of Beasts 1 and 2 from them as well that I picked up a long time ago. I'll probably pull creatures from that arena. In fact, I have. Yeah. I have pulled creatures from that in the past for like my Avernus campaign. So I, it's I'm no stranger to pulling from like third party resources yeah. to utilize them for campaign books. Like I just do it all the time. So I'd have no problem if you guys utilizing some of those books for those types of spells and items and things of that nature. Yeah. Uh, remind me next week. I will peruse. Yeah, of course. So, and then, of course, the magic cards I got were for um, my red black rat deck I'm running. And then I've picked up a few things recently to kind of prepare for the new set. So, the new set is a lot of dinosaurs. In fact, they have Welcome to Jurassic Park cards for the new set coming out. Interesting. Yeah, it's actually pretty cool. So, it all, it's Elixin something, I don't remember, but, uh, or Ixalan, I think is what it's called. I don't I'm know. I never played it for that. It, it sounds kind of fun. I mean, I really like the fairy taleness of. The current set, I really wish, I think I have like a Friday scheduled where maybe we could go do a draft or something. Okay. Yeah, I mean, either that or we can just get the guys together and do a booster box of something. You yeah. Know? So that's always an option as well. Uh, but I'm prepping for that. So I picked up more dinosaur cards that are in the older standard sets in you know preparation for when this new thing comes out there's supposed to be a lot of things that are geared towards dinosaurs specifically so i know green stompy is probably gonna be pretty big mm-hmm. and you know how card prices are they could be two bucks right now and then something comes out that like helps another card out and that card shoots up to like you know 30 bucks you're specking yeah i'm specking for the most part so i i do a lot of spec buys actually in magic and just i just like a full set no well yeah i'll pick up a playset generally so like i picked up uh this Wear fox card that's white right and uh i picked up a playset for i think it like foil playset by the way and it was like three bucks for all of them foil i was like okay cool like i'll hold on to this because i know and i've seen cards go from like you know they're sitting at like a couple dollars and then they're like 18 dollars overnight because mm-hmm somebody utilizes x card and then that one becomes really good it's an important part of a deck it has to work like that so i spec buy all the time whenever i can like that agatha's cauldron card that uh that guy rob pulled at the tournament when we did the uh, sealed at the time it was like a 20 dollar card it shot up like 60 70 bucks like just because it's being used in multiple formats so when stuff comes up have you paid out on any of these specs yet um i'm trying to think a chandra actually i paid out i was i picked up all my chandras for about a dollar 52 bucks a pop they're sitting at i want to say it's like eight or nine a piece now for those chandras maybe more um nothing that's been like huge in terms but of like you already value. sold those no i still have them I, well I that's use what them. i'm saying like is there anything that you've spec bought that you've actually oh. turned into something else no i don't i don't look at it from an aspect of selling i don't really sell magic honestly like oh unless so it's my you're extra just stuff. like i'm spec buying in the case of like holding on to things so i can build decks in the future that oh, are okay. meta yeah so that, that's what i mean by when i spec buy I, I spec buy specifically thinking this is going to go up in value i don't intend on selling it i intend on using it and i don't want to pay kind of like when we do with video games right we buy games that are lower price when they're used during the current generation the prior generation knowing that those games will probably shoot up in value at some point. That's kind of what trying I do to get in while it's easy. Yeah, pretty much because you'd rather, you'd rather get it now in case you need it later so that you don't have to buy it at later prices. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. And magic fluctuates like crazy, dude. Um, yeah. 
so that's what I've been doing there. And as far as currently playing, uh, we're still playing The Last of Us 2. My wife saw the Joel scene and she was like, I knew it was going to happen, but I didn't think it was going to happen like that. So uh, I forget where we are at. We've already kind of left. Um, I think it's Jackson, Wyoming, technically is where we're at. So we've already left. She's with, uh, I forget the other girl's name, but Ellie and her travel out and they're kind of checking out the city and stuff. So that's where we are right now. Um, and we haven't played it for a couple days because we've been busy. Uh, we also, well, I also continue playing white Knight Chronicles. I got past the chasm, got past the griever back and got past this like other city. I think it's like Sinka city or something. And I am now in this like open desert type of landscape that has tunnels underneath. And that's where I am right now. I've got like four chapters left in the game and I'm finished. And then I can call that one done and it's been forever and it's still like, it's not captivating me yeah. at all. Like I'm just, it's a cool game and I get what they were trying to accomplish. Like level five craters of, of dark cloud. Like that's, I was hoping this would be a great game because of that and the experiences I had with those other titles by this company. And it's just not hitting the mark for me. And I yeah. know there's a second one. So I'm kind of hoping the second one is like better. I watched upon uh... a lot of stuff. Yeah, I watched a video a while ago just because I really didn't know anything about White Knight Chronicles and this guy, he covered both of them. And I mean, he said that I think they're both kind of pretty mid. Like, I don't yeah. think the second one would be enough to like turn you around. Gotcha. Yeah. The series. And that makes sense. I mean, and the the definition on that of mid for these games is actually pretty accurate. Like, are they terrible games? No. Are they great games? Not really. I mean, it's yeah it's enough to kind of get you to where like you're interested and you'll kind of keep playing it, but not enough to be like, you know, Oh, I have to play this for countless hours all day long type yeah. deal. Um, yeah. I mean, it's all right. It's not, I mean, if I had to choose between like this game and Cardia, I would actually choose Cardia all day long. Wow. Yeah. And Games that's to fall asleep to. Games to fall asleep <laughs> to. Yeah. I gotta, I've got to pick up something like, or add a game into my playlist here. That's really going to kind of keep me up. So we'll we'll see. Or uh, you know what you need to do is find the perfect game to fall asleep to. Like, what's the most relaxing game to just like drift off as you play? It's got to be like Animal Crossing or something. It's easily got to be Blue's Clues or um, uh, Miss Spider's Tea Party. Oh, dude, Blue's it's Clues be was incredibly engaging. It took actually, all of my energy and focus. It was quite engaging, actually. And uh, so, oh, okay, okay. Let's see. We'll we'll see. I see. Um, the special game for summer on here for you. And so that could mean uh, you're still playing it. We'll see. Yeah. Punish. Yeah. Let me, let me talk about that. Well, one, John. Well, I'll get into it in a second. I'll get into it in a second. So a couple more things. So I'm playing arena still on magic and unloading as many points in that. I'm actually diamond two right now. So two more area, two more jumps and I can be mythic, hopefully. And how many mythic are there? I think there's only 500. If I really, recall. yeah, I don't remember, but there's not many mythic players. I don't know. It's I don't remember the exact number, but when we had Darren on, he had said it was a certain number um, and then uh, magic tournament. So I actually played this past week. I did some standard and I went three zero again. So that's always fun. Um, I will have to say that my burn deck is really starting to piss off some of the players there where I play. Um, not so much because. You know, it's the same deck being played, but more so because it's just burn. And when you're beating players that have like four and five hundred dollar decks with like a seventy five dollar deck, it 
it pisses them off like just absolutely pisses them off to like get ramped within three four turns and there's nothing they can do i mean it's honestly fantastic in my opinion to do it and i just love when they're like dropping their 70 dollars shield on the board and i kill it right away it's the greatest thing ever dude so yeah i'm having a good time in magic and i think i built up it's like 45 bucks in store credit so far with them and then in terms of promo cards i've picked up like 25 bucks or more in promo cards so it's it's been a pretty good run so far in magic and all thanks to that burn deck yeah so pretty stoked with that so it looks like according to os gamers once you hit mythic rank uh percentage number so you'll be in the top like three percent oh wow and then as you go up i guess you get to a count number of 1200 Oh, interesting. That's pretty crazy to be in like the top 3% of magic players at that point. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I'm excited. Like, I'm kind of hoping I can get there with this red deck. Yeah, be great. Uh, All right. Well, that's it for my stuff. All right. So this week, I actually did things gaming wise. It may have all been in the last 24 hours, but it still counts as this week. So I, um, I've been watching some videos online. A couple of people have talked about this game, Backpack Battles. It's a demo. It's in the Steam Next Fest. So, John, one of my favorite parts of Resident Evil is the sorting. In the attache case, you know, Tetrising all your items to fit well. This is a game constructed around that. You... To be to be fair, I enjoy that as well. In Neverwinter oh, yeah. Nights, it is like the best thing ever to like try and fit all of these items and stack them and organize them by type. Uh, yeah. I so that's it. what this game is. You have uh, in the demo, there's two different classes and they have kind of like some fundamental ways that they there's different like builds in this. It's a auto battler. I don't know if you've ever played like one of those. At least I think it's an auto battler i could be wrong i don't know i don't play a lot of these kind of games but basically you set up your character and then combat just happens between you and a random opponent that has like their build so basically you make builds and then your builds fight each other and you have to get to 10 wins before you get five losses in between each round you get a chance to spend money made during the match to buy items And in this case, what you're doing is you start off with like a backpack of like six squares and like the, I think the adventurer, I don't know what their name is. They start with like a a sword and a four leaf clover and a banana. And each of the items does a thing like, so your sword does like so much damage every like chance you get to attack and the four leaf clover increases your luck and the banana like heals you or restores stamina or something like that every like five seconds or whatever but each item has like a star next to it where it can align with something next to it in your storage and then you have like a randomly rolled selection of like i think it's like seven or eight items for various prices some of those are more bags to add more space and a whole variety of different items like different like more bananas and like blueberries and carrots and garlic and all things that add different effects uh different kinds of weapons different armors shields uh and different items will also fuse together so if you put 
certain items next to each other in your bag, there's recipes that will fuse together to make a new, more powerful thing. So each round you develop your build and you try to, you know, go in the way that the items give you. You can kind of like re-roll the store for a cost. So it's got some economy to it. It has like distinct, you know, advantages and disadvantages to certain things like this build will beat this build out but it's a free demo it's a lot of fun i mean it's very basic art style i'm playing it on my like super old laptop now it's 2016 i mean she's good for for as old as she is but the battery is shot i was actually looking at battery prices and i'm thinking about for like 40 bucks getting a new battery last night i had to download and update my computer and then i had to download and update steam and then i downloaded this game and then I played it for about 20 minutes and the battery died. You know, honestly, I wonder if you could pick up like a brand new laptop for like a couple hundred bucks. So it would be just as strong, if not powerful. No, More there's powerful. no way. You don't think so? I mean, no, dude, that the, computer's this seven computer, years old. Yeah, but like this computer has like some pretty good stats for like being seven years old. Like at the time, it was like a $1,600 computer that I got on like a decent sale. Mm. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. It does everything I need it to do. I, I might upgrade it eventually. But anyways, so that's what I picked up. Also, uh, Dota 2, the international, is live. They are uh, playing out. The main event started today. Things, I, I didn't watch all of the the group matches leading up to, so I'm not exactly sure, and I actually haven't had time to watch today uh, because I've been playing games instead. You should live tweet Dota responses as you watch it next time uh i mean the i I mean while you're sitting there just literally tweet away yeah uh, i could check that out i mean it might be worth it i mean you're already doing it right yeah usually i'm doing two things at once so that would be introducing a third thing oh that's great yeah it's a challenge maybe i need to face watching dota pooping and texting i mean it's the best (laughs) way i mean it's easy dude so uh i played the darkness this morning it's a for a few hours Oh, a few hours. And if I look at the weather, we got 100 degrees today, 102 tomorrow, 100 on Tuesday, 100 on Thursday. Baby, it's still summer. Oh, I don't know about that. It's still summer. Let's see. Let's see. But I'm getting near the end. So I am in chapter four out of five now. Chapter four is only like five sections long. Uh, because it's back in now what I have realized is the darkness's mind, not it is. not yeah. my mind. So, so I, I will say where I'm at, it's much cooler than you. Like, I think I'm about three degrees colder per day than you. So you, you sort of lucky you live where you live because we go by my temperature. It is done. <laughs> You got to move to the heat island. No, I'm good. You're, <laughs> you're out at the boonies still. I'll stay out in the boonies. So, yeah, I'm working my way towards finishing the darkness. I will commit to having it done. We'll say hopefully by the next podcast. Okay. And uh, then, yeah, I've been playing some of that backpack battles. I watched a bit of Dota the last few days, and that's that's basically what I've had going on this week. Pretty light for me, but hey, it feels good to do some of the thing that you know, supposedly you're here to listen to us talk about that we do. Yeah. yeah it's like two thirds of my intro, man. Didn't Summer Games Challenge start in like May? 
dude, I think I came up with it before then. Like, I don't have excuses, John. <laughs> and you know what is glaringly missing from here is Pikmin, which I don't know how the hell you have not beat that game yet. I'm savoring it. <laughs> savoring it. Okay. I gotcha. <laughs> All right. Well, um, other than that, uh, I guess we have a discussion topic today, which is collecting goals. Yes. And I'm guessing this is more open. It's not necessarily just gaming per se. So you you kick it off. You tell me what you're thinking here, and then I will yeah, talk so to it. I watched a video um, like right before I messaged you about this discussion topic um, from the Spawn Wave guy uh, on his second channel, I think where he does like his short videos, but it was um, on the PSP go and they made a new like thing that you can plug into. It's like proprietary memory. And it's like a little ribbon that goes to uh, like a holder for a micro SD. And you can actually just like plug it in, fold it inside and leave it inside of the PSP go. He said he had to like shave it down just a bit on the plastic to make it thin enough that it wasn't like bumping the edges as much, but it basically, you can open it up to like over a hundred gig storage. And I've always thought the PSP go was really cool. And one thing I noticed is like, I do have like an interesting, like, at least for me, I've got a collection of like handheld gaming devices. I got a Vita. I got a PSP. I got the Playdate, Game Boy Advance, both of the Game & Watch things they released, the Famicom Micro, uh, Game Boy, my 3DS, you know. And I really love, like, handheld gaming and, and just being able to hold something and being able to, like, if I wanted, take a game console with me wherever I was going. And a PSP Go has always been really cool, I thought, even though I own basically two versions of that in my vita and my psp but like it is kind of its own unique thing and it is something that i would like eventually and it's like you know it maybe over time that could be a goal of a collection for me is to try to amass more handheld gaming consoles specifically and maybe not like delving into like crazy things like i don't need to go like get a neo geo just to say i have one but yeah or like the tiger electronics handhelds and stuff yeah. although some of those would be pretty cool depending on which one you get oh like the little like lcd screen ones yeah oh yeah. i had a few of those as a kid and it's like oh man those were neat and i would like to have one like at my desk at work like the dragon yeah. ball z one or something i think i had one for mortal Kombat actually when yeah. i was a kid you know honestly if i i am going back home pretty soon for a little bit and it would be interesting to see if I still have some of those like tucked away in the closet somewhere. I'll have to check. Do your parents never clean the closet? No, it's all. Well, okay. So a couple things I moved out. All of my stuff stayed in the closet remained as is my friend, Justin moved into my room funny enough. And he just put all of my stuff in the corner in that closet, like jammed it in there and it made room for his stuff. Uh, and then my parents at one point moved a lot of my things up into their attic and then this other random closet underneath our staircase, which is where I found a ton of video games and stuff last time I was there. So really, I mean, there's a whole bunch of my stuff scattered throughout my house. So it's just a matter of going up and seeing what's in there. Oh, like dude, I still most of these are like 
like $10. Yeah, they're super cheap. They're not very much. But I'm pretty sure I have some. And it'd be cool to get my like original versions, you know, if I can find them. Um, but as far as like collecting goals, I think handhelds is an interesting one because you can, if you were collecting, it's easier, in my opinion, to collect handheld consoles. And especially when you can emulate stuff nowadays. And, you know, if you had like, you know, a, an emulation card for like a 3DS or 2DS, like you've got one obviously for Game Boy Advance, you could probably get one for Game Boy Color and things along those lines. And the ability to display those and have like a really cool collection displayed is far easier than doing, you know, bigger Actual consoles. consoles. Yeah. yeah, or even just physical games. Like I have, like my whole space is just tons of physical games. There's been times where I'm thinking like, should I reduce that and like put other things in there instead? Like, you know, I would say like statues of games and um, not magic cards, but like my D&D stuff, little things along those lines that would you I ever like frame a magic card? Uh, depends on the card, I guess. Like I've got a couple cards that range in like the 250 to $400 range. And then I've got like volcanic islands and things like that that are pretty pricey. But for the most part, I don't really have anything per se. that I'd be like, yeah, I need to frame this right off the bat. Maybe like an original, like one of my original cards that I bought when I was a kid. That might be worth framing just for sentimental purposes. But it's not like they're worth anything outside mm-hmm. of the sentimental aspect. So I do have like my original booster card packs, actually from when I first played. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I would have kept going, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy, but yeah, as far as collection goals are concerned, you know, I've had my RPG collection goals for a long time right now. I'm obviously in this, like play magic, get my magic cards. I might fall off that a little bit and do some other stuff. Um, you know, my D and D stuff. I like to collect that. I've got, you know, you've seen it. I now have like four plastic tote things where I can put, printed minis and everything else so like i'm amassing kind of a collection of minis which is nice because like we had uh, jenny and joel came over yesterday to do like a one shot with us and jenny was like hey i need like a giant and some phase spiders and like these few things i'm like okay cool like i've got them yeah got it on tap like i or i just printed and painted a number of those things let me grab them so we can use them for tonight so that type of stuff's fun and then joel's also got like a ton of minis and books so between the two of us we have so much crap that like i'll give him a buzz and say hey for tonight i need like xyz can you bring it over like it sucks because like he knows then what's going to be coming but at the same time, he does that to me, too, for the camping. He's like, hey, I need to borrow like these few creatures. Do you have them? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's kind of like a DM's understanding that we're not going to like snafu everything that's happening in metagame things just because we know what creatures are coming. And we don't necessarily know when they're coming or how powerful they're going to be or anything along those lines. So, I, yeah. you know, not to get into the whole D&D thing, but yeah, that's well, I mean, you basically go into D&D having an idea that you're going to fight something. And like the only time it ever matters is, is it's like, oh, I know this thing can't be hit by the spell. And then you choose just not to cast that spell on it. Yeah. I mean, who cares? Like you're yeah. nobody's there to win D&D. No, you're there to have fun. And uh, that's where, as a DM, it comes into play to make sure that you do certain things to creatures to ensure that it's not an easy fight. That's why every fight you guys do is technically deadly uh, yeah. when we when we play. Um, but as far as going back to collecting goals, that's, you know, it's just things I like to do or like to collect. So I don't necessarily have a 
outside of, like I said, the, the RPGs, there's not really a, you know, I have to collect X, Y, Z thing. It's just, Hey, I enjoy doing this. I'm going to collect some stuff. And if down the road side, I'm going to get rid of it or sell it, whatever it may be, I can do that if I want to, yeah. and I have the space to do it. So why not? Like board games is another thing. I have a collection of board games that when people come over, we can enjoy and we can play. And I just recently actually got rid of a bunch of board games that we weren't playing and that we know people aren't going to play with us. And some of them are donated. Some of them were put in the trash because I know nobody's going to buy them at a donation place. So, you know, it is what it is with that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, as long as you just have this like understanding that how to avoid hoarding in your house, generally you can amass multiple collections and have fun with it. And it's all about displaying too. Yeah. So if, if you can properly display what you're collecting without going to the extreme, um, I, I think that that kind of helps with collecting goals as well. Yeah, I just picked up uh, a new Gundam model and I'm still like just barely opened another one. I've got like a the plane from Porco Rosso I got to put together. I guess still oh, finish nice. building the Sunny. And then uh, my buddy just got me a uh, ho-oh and lugia oh, models sweet. which i've never had like a pokemon model before or put together like a character model like that only like robotic stuff or like you know some kind of something that is like a built thing not like a an organic thing traditionally so um i've got those now and i'm gonna try putting those together with my wife because she's never put together like a model from like sprues and stuff Mm -hmm. and i put together a ton so i figured that would be like a fun thing we could do together because like they don't have a lot of pieces and they're all like already just color blocked out so you don't have to do like painting or line work or anything like that nice. but i do have plans for them i i want to see if i can't take them and then maybe either get or make like a pokeball and instead of just having them displayed as individual models have it displayed as like uh like a figure piece with like the three things all interacting and stuff that could be something cool to work on as like a project and a way to save space or, you know, enhance the space more because like I am running out of shelf space for all my things and I had more things that I want to get. So I need to get more creative now. You should pick up like we have in our bedroom, the Ikea cube things. Yeah. I've wall. seen, I take pictures of your guys setup cause I thought it was really cool. Like I had an idea. I've had a, a bunch of different ideas. I just, you know, one day I'll execute on all this stuff for now. Yeah. I don't have enough things, thankfully, that I need to take that step, but it will be there <laughs> eventually. You know, it's glaringly missing from your background here is a one to one size Cubone. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's I what know. you need. I saw it. I love it. I want it. But I know, dude, I, I was walking down the aisle, actually. So I ended up picking up my son. Uh, you know, in the Mario cave worlds where they've got like, well, it's like, da, 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 da. it's not a turtle. It's like, I forget what they're called, but they have the blue shell on top. Like the, Oh, blue shell. a buzzy beetle. Is that what? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. they had a buzzy beetle, uh, plush. And I was like, Oh, I got to get that. Nice. So I grabbed that because like the other one was like a Kirby, a Goomba and a Bowser shell. And I'm like, how often do you find this? plush like the buzzy beetle like how often do you see something like that and i'm like i gotta pick that up because that's like so it'd be like of... if you saw like the mario bat yeah like swooper yeah like something like that right like it's just so 
random. I'm like, yeah. I have to get that for him because like how how many times you're going to see that going into a store? Plush. That'd be a pretty cool one. They actually have one, I think. But yeah, so as I was walking by, I saw the Cubo. And I'm like, oh, I'm like Cubo, and that's. But I felt it, and it was like it wasn't like the super soft like uh, no, squishable or whatever. It was like an actual like he looks big good. plush. Oh yeah, dude, it looks solid. Um, but fifty bucks was not bad for that. Yeah. So I mean, given that it's Pokemon branded and the size of that thing, I mean, I was tempted, dude. Like even myself. What is that? Oh, Cubone on your water bottle. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Ryan uh, loves Cubones. So um, uh, donate Cubone things to him. He will enjoy it. And we'll, oh, we'll try and spam his house with Cubones. That would be insane. If, if anybody like <laughs> we have fun on this podcast, if anybody ever gave us something for being on this podcast, I would not even know what to do with myself. <laughs> Cubones. Just right? give them to Ryan. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's go into yeah. our articles. So this week, we're going to take a look at the closing of the Activision and Blizzard deal, uh, a small story of a little console that could. And this week, Nintendo reveals a third Mario. And then finally, we are going to cover what I would say is <laughs> the disappointing reveal of the PS5 Slim. All right. So, uh, well... Our first article here is Phil Spencer extends an olive branch to PS5 players as Xbox Activision Blizzard deal closes. And he says, you are welcome here and will remain welcome. Uh, this is Khan Saren at Games Radar. So, you know, we've talked about how there's been, you know, w- what's going to happen after his closes in regards to exclusivity on a number of these smaller games. So you have things like, you know, Spyro and Tony Hawk. Uh, that are now owned by Microsoft and uh, Crash Bandicoot, et cetera. Crash Bandicoot's the one that still stings for a lot of people, obviously. But like, what happens with that? And, you know, this is kind of, you know, a positive sign for now. But to kind of go deeper on that quote, he says, for the millions of fans who love Activision, Blizzard, and King Games, we want you to know today is a good day to play. So you're the heart and soul of these franchises, and we are honored to have you as part of our community. Whether you play on Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo, PC, or mobile, you're welcome here and will remain welcome, even if Xbox isn't where you play your favorite franchise. So that, in a sense, pretty much says, hey, these games are not going to just be on Xbox. They're going to be available for all of you, which goes back to statements you've made in the past of it's probably not viable for them to keep a lot of these you know, smaller franchises like Aspire and Crash Bandicoot exclusively on Xbox for the time being, which makes sense in the time being for this generation. Now, I can still see in the future for the next generation that they say, nope, it is exclusive because they got to make that money back right from that huge acquisition. That's got despite the fact that Microsoft is what, like a two trillion dollar market cap company, they still got to make that money back for this particular division. So I can still see this being a matter of they're, you know, not exclusive right now, but down the road, if there's another Xbox console, they will be. Or speculation I've brought up in the past. This is the last Xbox console. They're going forward with, you know, specifically game development and being a mass publisher of games and putting these games on everything else and making their money that way and not even worrying about the hardware. So all in all, no matter which direction it goes, it sounds like your Spyro and your Crash Bandicoot and your Tony Hawk are all safe to play on your existing consoles today. There's nothing to worry about in the time being. See, that's I've what got, I got from it. 
Yeah, I've got kind of a, a hybrid of what you just said. So, you know, I think that he's got a lot of room around what he said for people to interpret and for them to kind of do whatever they want. I think, you know, in all likelihood, what they'll be doing is kind of taking a, you know, one-on-one approach with each of these games. Like maybe they take a look at this game and say, hey, you know, this did really well. Uh, Is this something that we think that could do really well for us? Is this something we think they could do really well here? You know, and they just dole it out piece by piece and decide what's going to be where. I mean, that's going to take, you know, a lot of handling and deciding, you know, where things are going to go and which studios are going to develop which things. Because realistically, with all of this inquisition of, you know, IP, they have a whole herd of studios. They could put any studio they want to work on any of these kind of things. And I mean, we've seen in the past how, you know, some studios have been pressured into doing games that they're not into that can not always go as well as you think. But I think maybe my (laughs) weird interpretation or, or the way that I came up with looking at this is like, you know, maybe this is Phil's way of saying that, you know what, maybe Xbox isn't going to be the place you're going to play in the future but maybe it doesn't have to be the only place you can play. Like they're already trying to get it on like TVs and stuff. You know, you can already do like cloud streaming from your phone and stuff, but there's also like the deal with like Apple and, you know, Google and their walled garden and unity trying to, or um, unity Epic trying to get their own store front up. You know, if Microsoft can get a legit storefront up on mobile and not just have cloud streaming, then, well, hey, there's a whole nother place. I, they put Resident Evil 4 Remake and Assassin's Creed Mirage on mobile games as like a full price release. Well, that's a piece of the pie Xbox certainly wants. And they just bought King that's going to enable them to get into that market in a huge way because they already understand all the technologies and just have a pathway for them to get things over there. So I think that realistically, it makes sense in my mind for Xbox to continue to have a physical Xbox. Now, whether or not that has any physical media associated with it, you know, that may go away. But I mean realistically who nobody buys pc games on a disc anymore i don't even think and, they release them on a disc anymore do yeah they? and the pc gaming community isn't really up in arms about it and i bet xbox can safely take that same approach they've already advertised that or not advertised but had that leak for the all digital you know mid-series revamp for the series x so leading into the future if you can get a microsoft store on mobile well you know what maybe sony will take that too like if xbox is going to continue to just like not sell enough consoles to really one-on-one compete with sony but they say hey you know what what if we can get on your platform either because you can't keep us out or because we can cut a deal and we can both make enough money here instead of trying to fight you all the time on this and then they could go to nintendo and then they can go to here and they can go to there you know but if they could get ubiquitously everywhere which i think is ultimately what they would prefer going into the future to just have like here's your xbox ecosystem play it on your playstation play it on your nintendo play it on your next generation xbox play it anywhere you want you're here with us 
Well, so they're going to have to grow in some capacity because I did see an article recently. It wasn't tied to this, but it was around the lines of, you know, if they are not able to grow their subscriber base significantly for Game Pass over the next like five years, I think it was, they're going to start thinking about shuttering a lot of this stuff too. So this is a, this is really a test for them moving forward. Like they are going to have to make, you know, progress with this. I don't remember yeah. how many millions of people are already subscribed, but it like say they only increase their subscription over the next couple of years by like two or 3 million. That's not significant movement for as much money as they're putting into this right now. Yeah. Um, and so you're going to have to start looking at, are we going to start increasing prices at that point? You're going to start pricing people out of it too. So then what do you do? You probably end up selling off studios at that point and IPs. So it, it's really interesting. The, the time we're in right now where it's kind of this like, you know, where, what's Microsoft going to do now that it's so deep in like entrenched in gaming right now? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. We'll see, man. There's a lot of different routes that this could take over the next few years. All right. Our next thing here is in the year 2023, one new Wii U was sold. Now, I'm wondering if they cracked open that Wii U, but this <laughs> is Zach Suizen at Kotaku. Uh, so you might be asking, like, how the hell does this even happen? And honestly, the answer is probably just a Wii U is sitting on a back shelf for like 10 or 15, or I guess 10 years. And it just got stuck there. And then at some point, some employee was like, oh, this probably needs to be put on the floor. Let me go ahead and list it for sale. And some lucky guy goes and picks it up and uh, has a sealed Wii U. That or like maybe somehow it winds up going into like an online search for like something you can't even find in a store. But like randomly, like it's still in the product listing on like Target's website or something crazy. Or my mind, I was wondering if it could be like, do like mom and pop game shops ever order like new stock? of consoles they, they do but and maybe they would just have one sitting on a shelf forever and now it's like they're selling it at like a higher than new price so nobody's ever bought it but somebody walked in and was like you know what i'll take that wii u even though it's like five hundred dollars but see like i don't think what was referenced in this as far as like how they measure consoles sold i don't know that a mom and pop shop like a sale for a new wii u would trigger whatever yeah. this program is like that's more like larger so, retailers i think this was reported by matt piscatella um he's on twitter he is the what is he here he's the executive director at circana which is formerly npd he posted this on twitter he also threw in a fun fact that uh, uh the last time a new vita unit was sold was in november 2021 when three of them were purchased but uh, Circana, they uh, track individual store level sales data and they keep tabs on that and they sell it to people. So, I mean, they're not uh, very specific in that description of like exactly which store data they're tracking. But I mean, you know, if you're a big enough secondhand game store that you would actually order new stock of a console because you would sell that and people would come to you and buy it. Like, I don't know if that even happens, but if it did and you wanted to report those numbers, I mean, maybe they have your data. I think the more likely scenario is that it's like some random Walmart in North Dakota happened to have what like retail a bunch employees of, suspect it says. Yeah, that's got to be it. Like there's, I don't know, there's obviously different ways that it could have happened, but I think that's the more likely scenario. It was just sitting in some stock room in a Walmart. And like I've seen PS2 games at Walmart before. 
like Just Dance and stuff and are new. They're not used copies or brand new copies. So, you know, I've seen that type of stuff before and it's got to be like stock is just sitting there, dude. Or like they get a random box from corporate of things that have been sitting at a corporate warehouse and it comes through. Uh, You see it not all the time, but you do see it occasionally. Yeah. So just an interesting thing there. All right. Our next thing here is Nintendo has revealed Mario's new voice actor, and this is Wesley LeBlanc at Game Informer. So, Ryan, you want to kick this one off? Yeah. So Nintendo finally came out. Uh, People had been kind of suspect from the moment that the new Mario Wonder trailer came out and people were like, that doesn't sound like Charles Martinet. And then, you know, all the Martinet retiring from the role of Mario and people have been pouring over, like, you know, trying to find the information on who this new Mario voice can be. And Nintendo finally came out and said it is Kevin Afghani. Uh, so congratulations to Kevin. He has had a, a couple of other, you know, slightly notable roles in the past for some things. Uh, he's in Genshin Impact. He plays uh, Raditz from Dragon Ball in like a fan. Um release um you know he's done a couple of things so good on him uh, i'm sure that when mario comes out because <laughs> the world we live in people will have strong opinions <laughs> so i hope that he is well received by the community and you know he's another new voice for mario i mean we are weathered chris pratt i'm sure that kevin will bring his all to the role yeah, I mean, I agree with you there. You know, at some point, voice has to go, right? The original voice is going to go away and they're going to have to bring in somebody new. I mean, that just happens. I mean, oh, yeah, until the AI takes over. Well, that's true. I mean, with the deep fake stuff, I mean, <laughs> that's a whole different ball game, right? But, you know, I mean, imagine if like 15 years ago, Charles Martinet, like he died right in the middle of all of us. They'd have to get a new voice anyways yeah. at that point, right? So like you just kind of picture it from the perspective of like, guys no longer doing it you know you got to bring in somebody fresh what i question though is like what direction are they going that they need to bring in a new voice for mario like all the audio clips they have of martinet over the years they can't just reuse a lot of that and continue like to provide him with uh we're going into a whole new age i mean mario's had a movie like who knows how far away we are from having like some version of a fully voiced Mario game potentially or like, a TV it could show. happen one day. Like it, it's not impossible to say that it's, you know, could happen. I don't know. I'm seeing a text here from uh, my context in Nintendo saying, uh, well, we don't put voices in games cause it's well above the budget. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, it's cool. Hopefully uh, he does the role justice and there's not a whole lot he has to do. You just can't screw it up. That's the big thing, right? (laughs) So, all right. Uh, On to the next piece here. And this is probably your favorite item is the PS5 Slim is a lot smaller than we thought. And this is Isaiah Colbert at Kotaku. Uh, So, uh, Ryan, I I texted you and I was like, hey, PS5 Slim just announced. Here it is. And you're just like, yuck. You know, like they've they've got an increase the price point for the digital by 50 bucks. Uh, if you want to go ahead and have um, a stand, it's like an extra $30 uh, removable disk drive and everything on the other slim. Like it's just there's a ton of things that they've done to like upsell with this new slim version. It's kind of shitty, actually. Yeah, I mean, um, but in terms big... of size, in terms of size, it is definitely smaller 
but still gigantic. Yeah, I mean, the the beauty of having a slim console in the past is it's been like half the size, two thirds the price. Like it's always been smaller and cheaper. And now they're actually upcharging you on the price of the digital version. Like your plan backfired. This drive. Your plan and backfired. And then they're side selling you the disk drive for a hundred extra dollars. And then for the stand, they want more money. John, your 3D printer better be ready to go because you could sell <laughs> some $20 stands and make some money. Uh, honestly, I probably could, but uh... that's the thing, man. Like in today's day and age, this is such a like weaselly, weaselly thing to do for Sony. Like the amount of money that they're going to be saving for trimming it down that much. And then they don't even like alter the design of it. They're just like, let's just just make it a little bit smaller and and cut the panel line. So everybody that we just finally started selling different side panels to can't use them on the next one either. Like, and the best part, it's smaller. So I guess that wouldn't work anyways, but it's just like, it's so dumb. This just seems so petty and it looks so awkward with the giant disc drive hanging out the bottom of it now compared to how big it used to be where it kind of blended it a little more. It's just like, who is making these choices? Um, well, and the best part about it is that they're going to cease production on the other ones, the original ones. Yeah. So like, oh my you're, God. yeah, your plan, just... ab- your plan backfired, dude. Okay. On so waiting. no new plan, new plan. Wait for the pro. There's three versions of the PS3 and I have the third version. So in all likelihood, Sony is going to find a way to cheap out even more down the road. And hopefully they make something that looks presentable because at this point you know what i don't even know like what what am i buying a ps5 for like i know that there's a lot of stuff on ps5 and i'm not discounting you know other people's choices in games but at this point like the only two things that i really want to play for ps5 if if i got one would be returnal and demon souls like I can't think of another game off the top of my head that I'm dying to play that I can't because of PS five, like maybe God of war, but that's on PS four also. And, and I still haven't beaten the last one. Technically though, you could play those on PC. If you just upgrade your PC. Well, it that would, would be way, ex- that would be way more money. And no, I would rather play it on a console anyway. Not, not really. I have a laptop. I can't upgrade it. I would need no, to buy a whole I'm, new laptop capable yeah. of playing games. Well, you just said your battery is going bad. Like if honestly, like my battery okay, is so $40 tell, to replace. Tell me this. If you found a new laptop in say the $500 range, same cost as a PS PS five, no. right? No, it Let's would just not say you did. It would not play it. Let's just say it did. If no, it you did, would need a $500 was... graphics card Maybe. to go into a console. And that would be cheap. You probably wouldn't even be able to play on like great specs. Okay. I see what you're saying. But, you I know, would need next... like a fifteen hundred dollar laptop to play those games. I mean, dude, I spent well. Technically, my computer build was like your computer build is not a laptop. No, and it was like twelve hundred bucks, I think, for mine. Yeah, yeah. Either way, I um, 
I I don't know. I kind of feel bad for you, but at the same time, I, I kind of have to laugh a little bit at your plan. So I think you're probably going to have to wait it out till the third version, which will yeah. be like a mid-year reboot anyways, and it'll probably still be around the same price anyways. Yeah, I'm not other, sweating it. Yeah, the other option for you would be just a used copy. Um, okay. A used copy? A used version. Like a yeah. photocopy? Like somebody yeah. just put it on their, their big hey, lights mean, market? They were selling them on eBay, you know, pictures for 50 bucks. So that's what you need, a used copy of a PS5. All right. All right. Um, it's got fingerprints on it, by the way, from them rubbing of like, <laughs> I want this so bad, but I can't afford it. So here's the picture I bought instead. I don't, that'll be Ryan. The Wolverine, you know it's the Wolverine picture <laughs> with Ryan rubbing a picture frame of a PS5. The one thing that I would have liked from a PS5 and I almost certainly would have done would be to like put the Kaiba head on top of it. That'd have been good. Because it looks like his freaking jacket. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's dive into our inflation deflation week. This is Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon. Uh, it was developed by Next Level Games, published by Nintendo, directed by Bryce Holiday, released in March of 2013. It is an action adventure game with a reception of around eight to nine out of ten. Ryan, synopsis on this game. Yeah. So in Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon, King Boo escapes from his painting and he shatters the Dark Moon, releasing ghosts on Evershade Valley. Professor Egad contacts Luigi to go on another ghost hunting adventure across five different mansions to recover the pieces of the Dark Moon in this haunting adventure. <laughs> this is a so, good one for spooky season. I actually got I this it. one back from, uh, I think, our friend Mel when I used to live with them. And uh, I can't remember if it was my birthday or if it was Christmas or or what but i definitely have tried to play this game during spooky season like maybe a year or two ago and it's fun i don't have a lot of history with luigi's mansion though like i never played the first one on gamecube even though i had a gamecube um i played this one like a long time ago obviously it, it must have been like around the time it was coming out because that was around 2013 i think and then um what else I never played the the newer one. This one's being remade now to come out on Switch next year. But it, it's a good time. What do you have with Luigi's Mansion? Honestly, not much experience at all. And I, I don't know if it's so much as like I didn't like the game or just never really thought to play them. I own the Luigi's Mansion game, so it's not an issue for me. Um, I, I will say after this experience, it does make me want to play one. And get the full story and and play through that on GameCube uh, because it, it was actually a lot of fun. Even the bit that I played, like just going through the mansion, the puzzle aspects of it, being able to suck over like rugs and stuff to find, you know, steps that you could unlock doors and, and drawers and stuff of that nature. Sucking up like I guess it's technically ectoplasm that you're sucking up in certain areas that are blocking doorways and and pieces of furniture so i i thought there was a lot of really cool elements in like this small compact mario or luigi game so i'd be interested to see like where does it differ in number one and how does this build upon you know what number one is able to you know obviously succeed in uh when it was released so i like i said i enjoyed it i thought this was great yeah yeah it's a it's a really good one um i think that the Public sentiment on this game was definitely strong. 
I think that the 3DS really brings a lot of, I don't know. I love the 3D effect from the 3DS. Like anytime I get a chance to go back and play something on the 3DS, I really do feel like it kind of pulls you in. And I feel like the world of Luigi's Mansion is shaped and designed in such a way that like it feels like it adds like a nice extra layer to the experience. Um, I really think that, you know, I mean, the controls and everything like they were definitely ironed out. I mean, the first game did so well that people naturally wanted more of it. And I think putting it on the 3DS was a great job of getting that out to everybody as opposed to, you know, if they had decided to try to put it on like the Wii U or something instead. Um, I do really enjoy a lot of the like just the atmosphere of these games like uh, the spooky side of mario is great for me like i love uh dark town in um paper mario thousand year door and i like the whole like booze banner in you know regular paper mario ghost house like all of that type of mario vibe i really dig it you know it's great for this time of the year and Luigi has just so much expression and there's so much like life in the ghosts and things like I really feel like it's one of the best looks into the Mario world and and Luigi just you know it really blew him up into everybody's you know realm when the first one came out and I think that this one does such a good job of having that you know spirit and feel to it I, I love it yeah and i you know having not played the first one i really do love the uh the relationship between the professor and luigi and he's like oh hey like you're the only ghost hunter i know mm -hmm. <laughs> and he's like so here you are and luigi's like no i really don't want to do this but he's like forced into the situation yeah. and i just i love how that all kind of breaks out and then it's kind of weird at times though so i think it was like he hands him a flashlight he's like yeah <laughs> when he gets the flashlight yeah. I'm like i'm like okay cool like you don't want to do this but you're like yeah, yeah i got a flashlight because <laughs> it's gonna make me so much safer so yeah i just i really liked it i thought it was uh you know as far as cutesy games are concerned with like you know it's meant to be the spooky world of mario like you said but it just has like that cute vibe to it as well it's kind of refreshing for a title like this so mm -hmm. yeah i liked it going into um the brass tax on this uh, complete in box will run you right now 1798 it peaked at 3277 in march of 2013 so it's around release time uh it is trending up right now a loose copy will run you 1210 peaked at 3649 in uh 2013 of march which is kind of weird How yeah i know we know? never really see that yeah it's always interesting so somebody for whatever reason probably paid more than they should have on a used copy uh and in a digital console um uh, it's really not available on digital console, but we're looking at Luigi's Mansion 2 HD releasing on Switch in 2024. No so, price announced yet. No price announced yet, but I would imagine 60 bucks. It'd so, be nice if they could do it for 40, but we'll see. Uh, who knows at that point? I want to point something out here. So this is a weird era for games. They came with an instruction booklet, but it's not an instruction booklet. It's just a fold out page that has all of the Nintendo garbage on the back. And then it just kind of tells you what the controls are and has a little summary of the poltergust, but it's just like, it's 
it's pretending it's the last dying grasp of the instruction booklet for games and oh man you know they what? got they got it's even disappointing worse. they got even worse than that they started doing like a one-page insert <laughs> after yeah. a while it wasn't even that um so as far as price is concerned i think personally that this game is deflated i think that it's definitely worth like 20 bucks yeah this is like a 20 dollar yeah. game easy for sure yeah so well that was a quick agreement yeah <laughs> no i got. mean the this is one of those things so like we've played tons of games that are you know i would say as good as this but might be more expensive or might be less expensive but like considering that the 3ds was like one of the easiest to get a hold of consoles. And this was like a sequel to like an incredibly popular game. Like this game is probably always going to be like fairly reasonable in price. And uh, the Nintendo quality thing kind of gives it like a stable price point. Like you're probably not going to see this go down to be like a $10 game. But you probably also won't see it go up to be like a $40 game. Like getting uh, this for 20 bucks now would definitely be a great deal. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I know they released a ton of these. I don't know how I feel about it never hitting a $40 price point. You never know with Nintendo and uh, and their older titles. But like if you don't own this game and you can pick it up right now for 20 bucks or less, like just do it. If you have a 3DS, uh, I think it's totally worth it. It's a weird chart. Like I like looking at like the chart. I always in my mind, I'm like, oh, I wonder if this game like ramped up like on its way to October, because that's when I feel like people would be like, oh, you know, it'd be fun to play Luigi's Mansion. I'll buy that. But I guess the market doesn't ever trend that way. But when you look at this, like the parallels of this chart, like there's been times where like the prices are like almost matched like one to one. Like nobody really cares that much about the box for these. And since it doesn't have a great manual, like I would say you're fine even just saving the money and getting the loose price on it. Yeah. I would agree with you there. Well, uh, another successful episode of game inflators. Uh, we will be looking at either next week, home sweet home, ps4 vr which is probably gonna make us poop our pants that's from what i'm guessing is that what um, happens when you get scared john i don't know it might happen on this one uh or we'll be looking at house of the dead two and three on v Wii. so either way it's gonna be a fun time on those is it two and three or is it one and two probably one and two i don't remember it's house of the dead it's on the Wii. i used It'll to play that on uh 360 or no on maybe just on regular xbox regular xbox Lightness. had it yeah yeah all right, well, we'll be checking that out next week, one of those two. But for now, this has been episode 256 of the Game of the Players podcast. My name is John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.